say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need another chance. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and guess what? Yes, I know. You, you guessed it, didn't you? You did. You guessed it, right? Because they say it every week. I have another great show. I do. And, and I do have another great show. Here's why I have another great show. I have got Rob Jollis with me. And you go, okay. No, 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 no. You don't understand. See this book I'm showing to everybody right now who's watching? This book, Why People Don't Believe You, Building Credibility from the Inside Out. You see this right here? This book right here. Okay. Yeah, you people who are now listening to this on a podcast, you can't see the book. But you get to see this guy's beautiful face. He's got kind of, well, he's shiny dome, but he's cool. And the dude's really cool. And his name is Rob Jollis. It's called Why People Don't Believe Me. And you say, well, people believe me. I know. I'm telling you they don't. I'm telling you they don't believe you like they could believe you. Because I don't care if you're a manager. Anyway, this book's going to be great. And you're going to love Rob Jollis. He's funny. He's engaging. He's witty. He's smart. Really, really smart. And he's going to be a lot of fun. And he is going to help us in every area of our life. He's going to help us find a new direction in our life. He's going to help you find a new direction in your business. He's going to help you find a new direction in your career. He's probably even going to help you find a new direction in your marriage just because you're going to be more believable. I'm just telling you. So anyway, so we're going to get to him. But before we do that, Right? And hey, Paul Fitz, thanks for coming in. So before we do that, though, let's check in with the four areas of your life, right? Because we are four-part people. We are physical people. We are mental people. We are emotional people. And we are spiritual people. So on a scale of one to ten, one being absolutely you're miserable, ten being, oh my gosh, I can't get any better, where you at physically? Where you at? Right? I mean, I I just, I got to tell you, true story. Yesterday went in, had my blood work done and they looked at my blood work and I had lost 14 pounds and I, uh, my A1C had dropped and my doctor was so proud of me because I'd taken the time to do the extra work. And you know me, I'm a gym rat, but, and, and hi Tom. And so I'm a gym rat, but you know what? I also really watched my diet and that was part of my physical. And so I'm going to be really honest with you folks. I'm feeling a nine. Now you don't have to be a nine. If you're a three, that's okay. You, you can be a three. What I want to, what I want to know from you is how are you going to get to a 3.5? What are you going to do right now? What are you going to change? I mean, what are you going to put down? You're going to put down the soft drinks, maybe, maybe take a little extra walk. What are you going to do to just get yourself to grow a little bit better? Okay, that's the physical. How about the mental? Scale of one to 10, mentally, where are you at? And and what I mean is, what are you filling your mind with, right? Well, first of all, you're listening to this show, so that's a plus, okay? Because you know we interview authors and experts, and we're helping people find a new direction in their life and their career and their business, and so... You know, here you are, you're expanding your mind. So that's a good thing. You can give yourself a point probably for that. But are you reading things? Are you challenging both sides of your brain, right? The right side being creative, the left side being logical. Are you doing things to expand that, right? Okay, so one to 10, where you at? All right, how about the emotional side? Where are you at on a scale of one to 10 emotionally? Meaning, like, are you in control of your emotions? Right, do the little things. That guy who cut you off in traffic, if you're listening to me right now on a podcast, that guy who cut you off in traffic. Did that make you so angry? You just went into rage and all of a sudden you gave him the number of 11 with two fingers? Did you just do that? Really? Or did you just give him number your number 1? Okay? See what I'm saying? You got to how control you could be in control of that. Folks, it's intention. Right? And also about your emotions, you know, that scale of 1 to 10, how well are you able to emote with others? Are you able to see their side of the story? Are you able to take responsibility, even if it wasn't totally your responsibility? Are you able to take responsibility emotionally for what you caused as part of the problem, as part of the breakup? We're going to talk about that too. And then finally, on a scale of one to ten, where are you at spiritually? Right? And spiritually, you know, you may believe in God, and and if you do, how is that going? Some people don't. Some people believe that they're connected to nature. Some people believe in karma. Some people believe in luck. Some people believe in fortune. Some people. Uh, don't believe in anything or they try not to, but they have faith in something. And so what happens outside of themselves? And so I'm asking you, is that spiritual part of you keeping you at peace? Is it is it keeping you centered? It's all those things that we can't explain in the physical world, the mental world, or in the emotional world, right? Is that peace? So where are you at? 
All right, great. And that leads me to my next guest because I'm going to tell you something. He is the full four-part person. He is, I'm telling you, he is. Rob Jollis is the absolute full four-part person. He is uh, He is a sought-after speaker. He's a best-selling author. He is a teacher. He's an entertainer. He's inspirational, motivational. He is a best, I mean, just best-selling author. He, he, I'm, I'm telling you, he coaches. He coaches writers. He there's just you know what there's a shorter list of things he doesn't do because I'm telling you this guy is absolutely amazing he he's had books translated in in dozens of languages he's done workshops across the world he has worked with global 100 companies and and he's absolutely amazing and I am looking and I'm telling you you're gonna love him today and he's got this book why people don't believe you building credibility from the inside out Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome, meet Rob Jollis. Welcome, Rob. Oh, I got to tell you, to listening to that intro, I love me. <laughs> you know what? I've never met you, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I've never had an intro like that. I've been like squirming in my chair here. You, you had me at, uh, at Chrome Dome. I, I'm ready to roll. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Rob is brought to us today by Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. Um, they partner with business owners when it's time to sell their business. So when it's time to sell your business, contact the professionals at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. They're bringing you Rob and Rob's book, Why People Don't Believe in You. If you want to learn more about selling a business or maybe even buying a business, why don't you look talk to the folks at Inline.com. That's www.enlign.com. And they're bringing us Rob today. So we thank them as well. Rob, I, I'm going to tell you something. I love this book, and and I love it simply for for a number of reasons. But one of the things that it did is you made me soul search, and you you really did. When I mean that you're the four part person, this book really made me search myself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I well, found yeah, yeah. I, I found, gotta tell you, I appreciate that. I really do. And I and you know normally I'm. I'm actually a little more arrogant normally, but this one came from the gut, yeah. and because and, uh, normally I'll write about selling, or I'll write about right. presenting, but when you start writing about something this sensitive, it, you know, when you start talking, looking people in the eye and, and, and say, here's why people aren't believing you, but, but let's do something about it, uh, you better bring the goods, and um, I had to do a lot of soul searching inside me to get this one out. Yeah, and I could see that, by the way. I could see that because, you know, I think... You know, we got people talk about credibility. I know uh, Tom Cantley is a project manager, and he's with us. I can actually see he's with us right now, watching, listening to the show live, and he's watching the show. and And I was thinking about him as I was reading this book, and I think about a lot of the people who watch the show. And one of the thing and listen to the show. One of the things I was thinking about was this book literally does have something for everyone, regardless of your station in life. And and, and I really mean that. I keep, you know, people think, well, you want more credibility, just tell the truth. And you do say that, but it's more than just simply telling the truth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. To get at the truth, you got to remember that. See, that's a very simple statement that you just made. And, and a lot of people go, yeah, okay, but let, let's really get inside it. Mm -hmm. Do you understand how important what you just said is? Because uh, we all want, it's very easy to be believable if we're telling the truth. But before we aim our target at somebody else believing us, we got to look inside, and if we don't believe us, nobody else is. So it actually is a little trickier than it than it sounds. And when you really start carving up and go, well, okay, what if I'm struggling with that? What if I don't believe everything I'm putting out there? Right. You can understand why it's going to be like a like dominoes falling. So with the repair starts inside, then we go outside. Yeah, you know, I think I think one of the things that really came across to me as I was thinking about myself and my message because, you know, I like you, I belong to the National Speakers Association and I speak regularly and I coach people and, and you know, you, you always want people to believe what you're, what you're doing or what you're selling or if you're a manager, you want your employees to listen to what you say and trust you in what you say and you, you want your spouse to trust you, you want your children to trust you you want your boss to trust you and I was thinking about all this all these things that go into being believable and you broke this down so beautifully because we focus so hard on the words 
And and words are important. But it, it it's more than that as I read your book. Yeah. Actually, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I know talking to a fellow author, you, you know that for, for most of us, when we're working with a publisher, they'll leave the inside alone, but they'll micromanage the outside. And, and the, the, the fact is, that wasn't my title for the book for five years. The title <laughs> of the book was, It's Not the Words, It's the Tune. Uh, that's what was really speaking to me. Don't worry, that became chapter one, <laughs> the introduction to the book. But um, I really, I'm a guy who spent 31 years. I got two and a half million miles in the air. I've been, I've been running around dispensing words for a long time, and I teach people how to put those words together. But this one, when you start seeing a part of the population that's really getting hammered out there, they're, they're bruised, they're battered. And it's not the words that are failing them. It's the way they're saying the words. It's the tune. It's, it's almost like somebody who's playing music, and you're hitting a note, and you're going, bing, 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 and they're going, ha, ha, ha. You know, we call that tone deaf. Well, when we communicate, and somebody says, hey, we're going to put this guy Jollis on, and he's going to be really great. Now you say it. And they go, oh, but Jollis is going to be great. They're not, they're not following that tune. Right. And so the question is, I guess the, the experiment is, can you teach somebody the tune right. who can't hear it? And my argument is, you bet you can. Right. Yeah, and 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 you know, I think I think Alex Lawrence, uh, by the way, from Linda Craft and Team, I see, just joined us here on the show. Uh, welcome, Alex. And uh, by the way, everybody who's listening and watching, and we want to welcome you. I just happened to see some names pop up. And Alex, of course, is a salesperson. And I was thinking about your book in light of salespeople, a lot of salespeople. And by the way, who really isn't in sales? Right. <laughs> yeah. We have to go through that again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I started thinking about this. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm married. I am. I have to sell my wife on me. Okay. <laughs> At some point, I have to sell my wife that actually I am worth it, honey. So anyway, so I have to do, but we all do. But I was thinking about the salespeople because most salespeople have a very short window to become believable and have credibility. Right. right. And 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 your I think your book I felt your book really addressed because it doesn't it's not it's not the it's not this crazy word of rapport as much as there's other factors in terms of behavior. Right, right. Well, look, look, you know, and I'm glad you, you, you called out a guy named Alex because uh, salespeople are my wheelhouse. And, and in a sense, some of my clients felt, gee, Rob, you're kind of taking a departure from writing your, your normal sales books. Oh, not true. The fact of the matter is not only um, are salespeople my target here, but of course it's anybody, but look what happens to a salesperson. For, to, typically, what do we teach them? Well, we sales train them. Actually, no, we don't. We product train them, and we call it sales training. Yeah. And, and so we've already got people who are not really be tra being trained to ask questions and listen, very fundamental piece. Uh, we think that that's, um, we certainly know that's logical. It's just not instinctive. So we usually bury them in product, don't really work on the communication side, and even our star salesperson, Get nailed. Walk up and get the answer no brutally three times in a row. And what do you sound? What does your tune sound like the fourth time you pick up the call, the phone, or the fourth time you walk into the office? See, that tune begins to go a little bit flat. We come a little bit off that tune. Right. So it's not just for those who are struggling. This is a our life is a cycle. Uh, we all have peaks and valleys. We have to, when we get to that valley, I don't care who it is, we lose that tune. And it sure is more helpful to be consciously competent, consciously aware of the tactics we're dipping into, right. rather than to, to, to hope that we can just kind of instinctively find that tune. Now, I'm a process guy. That's what Xerox taught me. I believe in repeatable, predictable processes. That's what helps people get the job done. Mm -hmm. and, and we're talking with Rob Jollis, by the way, uh, here on A New Direction. And... Uh, he is brought to you today by the folks at Enline Business Brokers and Advisors. Are you a business owner? At some point, you're going to need the services of an experienced business broker. Selling your business is a huge decision. Make sure you build your ideal team, starting with the experts at Enline Business Brokers and Advisors. Learn more online at Enline.com. That's www.enlign.com. Jeff Snell and his group of folks would be happy to help you, and they're bringing us Rob Jollis 
who is author of this amazing book entitled Why People Don't Believe You, Building Credibility from the Inside and Out right here. And I will tell you that one of the things, Rob, and we're talking about salespeople a little bit. By the way, who's not in sales? We kind of already went through that. And by the way, this book is uh, available uh, in every format you could think of. Uh, Kindle, paperback, audiobook. Uh, it's just, and by the way, it's amazingly well-priced. So do not pass this up. If you're a list book listener, you probably have a credit you haven't used. Listen, all right? If you're a Kindle person, I'm telling you, less than $10, why not? What, what the heck, right? Hey, Christmas is coming. Why don't you buy several? For people, all right, that would be a good idea. You can even buy a CD. He's available everywhere. If it's not in your bookstore, ask your ask ask your local Barnes and Noble why. Why isn't Rob Jollis in your bookstore? If he's not in there, you ask them why, and you tell them I need him in there and I need him now. All right, so that's what you need to do. Uh, we're talking uh, with Rob Jollis though, and I want to talk about the sales the sales thing because we are all sales people, but at the same time, I was when I was reading your book, one of the things that struck me was. At some point, we have to be a convincing actor. Yeah. In the sales process, right? I mean, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and and you have you have some favorite actors, and you've watched them over and over. I happen to be an old movie buff. I don't yep. really like the new movies. I'm, I'm I'm like I'm a Bogart black and white you know guy. So, yeah. uh, but you you recognized somewhere that in this process, you have to be a convincing actor. Right. You know, and, and, the, and the thing is this, um, we use acting skills. I actually went to my high school acting teacher, if you can believe that. He was only three years older than me in high school, so he, he's still a young man, but kind of. Right. But, but I, what I was trying to do was figure out, okay, uh, let's, let's, not be, uh, let's demystify this a little bit. How does acting play out in all this? And when people go, well, wait a minute, and I'm not an actor. Oh, you're not, huh? If you're a parent... <laughs> And you're, you're fine. How many times as a parent have you sort of looked at your spouse and said, okay, I'll go in that room, I'll get it handled, and I'm going to play the role of disappointed father. And we go in, I'm, I'm very disappointed in you, lad. And, and we play that character. We're not all that disappointed, but we know that that's what we need to be today. We need to be that right now. So one of the ways, because now let's, we're really dipping into a tactic here. When we, when we look at somebody who's down, who's who's feeling defeated, who's uh, maybe in job transition, or as a salesperson, just getting a, a slew of no's. One of the greatest tactics you can do is just think like a method actor. A method actor doesn't poke themselves in the eye to cry on stage. Right. They take themselves to a very deep and sometimes dark place, and they are in the moment. What it would be wrong with taking ourselves mentally to a place where we were successful, where we were we were undefeated, where we knew the next call we made or the door we knocked at, we were going to be successful. We've all been there. Why can't we dip into that character? Are you telling me that's going to make us less successful? Impossible. Right, 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 right. Because I, I've done some acting on stage and as well, like you have. And, you know, you... I remember getting that sheet, right? That you had to, you know, you had to go through, and you had to go, you know, what did the guy eat for breakfast, and, right. and you know, whatever the character was, and you have to go through, and you have to really figure out. And you talk about the same thing in your book, and, and I, which I loved. We had to go through this whole characters characterization of what would this guy be like. What I mean, you even wrote like you had to play an old man, and right. you know, what did he drive? What you know, what did he eat? You know, who were his friends? Where does he go? And that teacher kept bugging you day after day after day after day about it until you came to the conclusion of going, okay, this is what he does and I got to play that role. And it's, and you know, this, this idea of playing roles is, it should not make people feel uncomfortable. Irving Goffman, you know, way back, uh, when I say way back, I think his last book was in the 80s, but he's, he's or he died in the 80s. But Irving Goffman, you know, wrote all sorts of things on the dramaturgical approach of the human being that we all put masks on in in front of our audience, whoever that may be, in order to kind of protect ourselves or relate to the audience because we're danger of letting people see our backstage. And so it's safer for us to wear a mask. So we're all acting on on yeah. some level. It's just that I don't think we think about it in the business world 
you know, if you're a salesperson, right? And by the way, hi, Andrew Walters. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you're a salesperson and you're out there, the truth of the matter is you need to act. But more so than need to act, and I think you brought this up too, Rob, was that you need to know your client well right. enough to know how you're going to act. Exactly. You know, it's funny. We, um, for years, I was kind of anti Myers Briggs and anti DISC, and 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 I, I just wasn't big into the personality models because I thought, gee, when I I keep taking these tests, and the only one I could sell is me. I I, I now know all about me. I don't know this guy Jay. How do I figure out Jay? And once I made the connection that really in selling or persuasion, it has nothing to do with me. I've got to figure out whether who that person is on the other side of the desk over there. And if they're analytical, I don't care if I'm not naturally analytical. Today, Rob Giles will be playing the role of an analytical. I'm coming in with numbers. I'm coming in with measurements. And if I walk into that next office and I can read and determine I'm dealing with a more dominant person, the worst thing I can do is bury them in numbers and measurements. Now I've got to do my homework and, and really just get at it a little bit quicker. If they're social, we're going to spend some time. We're going to talk about that ball game last night. Right. But, yeah, it's a lot about reading somebody else. And once again, you see how we unconsciously begin to mimic that person across the aisle from us. We do this. I'm just a believer in I don't want to depend on things I do unconsciously. I want to learn what, I, what I'm doing when I'm doing it right. I want to figure out what it's called, when right. to dip into it, and I don't want to do it by accident. Right. Yeah. It, it, we're talking to Rob Jollis, author of the book, Why People Don't Believe You, Building Credibility from the Inside and Out. Yeah, I I, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, well, there's a lot of things in your book that's brilliant. People, I'm just telling you, it's it's a total, terribly brilliant book. But I thought it was brilliant that you said, you made a statement basically, and this is the Jay Izzo paraphrase, that, you know, if you know that person, that other person, like if you're, you know, like when I do an interview of you, right, I, I connected with you on LinkedIn and Facebook. By the way, the reason I connected with you in those two places isn't because I can't find out what I need to know about you business-wise. I want to know wh- who Rob Jollis is on, on the rest of the level, right? I know you're a huge Nats fan, huge Nats fan. Yep. And, and you know, I've seen you with the Nats jersey on and the hat, right? And and yep. I also know you're a Bud Light guy. Huh, what do you think? And he likes the silver and he likes the blue cans, bottles. Yeah, the lemon <laughs> one. I also know that. But it's, <laughs> but I mean, you go, well, why? That's enough. That's enough. I know. I don't even know get what, back to the interview. Oh, yeah, I know, okay, well, I am doing that. I mean, I'm doing that. And he likes to bounce. By the way, he still, he still likes to bounce a ball off the wall. I just want to let That's you know that. That's true. Um, he does because he caught a foul ball you know right anyway that's another story off the wall of the stadium no one's ever done that I should have been on ESPN please continue (laughs) it was a top 10 plays the week that never got should have been okay it should have been but I think it's important what what happens is we spend so much time preparing for this sales presentation or this project management presentation that we got to do that we have neglected to go who am I presenting to Right. What? Right. I mean, that's kind of your book kind of threw that out at me. And here I am a speaker and I I always pay attention. I always ask whoever hires me, you know, tell me about your audience. Who are they going to be like? Right. I do that. But I don't know. One on one. How often does the salesperson prepare for that person that they're trying to sell a home to or list the house for? Yeah. And, you know, we refer to that sometimes. We, we just throw the word luck on so many things. We go, well, I got lucky. Well, I, you know, I was just lucky. The things that we're talking about, the, the, the homework you did, I, I, I'm doing a, a ton of interviews on this book. Nobody has done the, the, the research that you've done. Nobody. And so when, you, when you're successful at what you do, people look at you and go, well, that guy, Jay, he's kind of lucky. Well, there's, look, there's certainly a, a, an element of luck into everything we do. But by golly, I know it's the oldest you know, motto in the world, but I'm still going to bring it out of, out of the closet. Uh, the harder we work, the luckier we get. Uh, it, you know, these types of things, all of a sudden you look at process behaviors. That's what Xerox taught me, a decade of working with Xerox. We didn't tie our shoe without some sort of process. Sure. You, have a way of, you have a process, you have a way of measuring what you're doing. When you can measure it, you can fix it. So personality, uh, we're, even the words we use. I know I've been, I, we're, def, we're moving away from them, but I'm not telling you they're not important. Right. I'm just telling you we got to we got to 
put the word, the tune and the words together. Right. All of that, everything that we're talking about, individually sounds small. You start putting them together, and you have a recipe for success. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, you know, the words, the tune, I, I, I really hope people get that piece, you know, that you have a tune, and as a, a hack musician, um, which people could argue whether I really play or not, uh, as a hack musician, but there's a tune and people listen to the tune, right? Yeah, they listen to the words, but they will listen to the words a lot more quickly if the tune sounds right. Yep. Right? I and mean, you, yeah. And you know something? It, it, and let's go into that just a little bit deeper. We're not talking about a pretty tune. We're not talking about a perfect tune. Mm-hmm. We're talking about an authentic tune, mm-hmm. which means <laughs> it does... It, 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 People can't relate to perfection. I, right. if, I, if I listen to you musically, I wouldn't be disappointed if you weren't perfect. I probably can relate to that. That makes it authentic. I like that part. I, right. I, I'm, I'm a, a David Gray fan musically. Seen him in concert a few times. Not sure if you know who he is, but yeah. he's got a very raspy sort of every man person's voice, right. and I can identify with it. And when he sings, it sounds real to me. Right. I don't want it pretty. I want it real, and um, so I'm always looking for authentic. And can I throw something else sure. at you, Jay, real fast? And that's this. You said something um, that just, you know, very casually, but I just want to remind you something. You sort of, you sort of said, well, I play musically, kind of. I mean, sort of made me think you're not very good musically. I think you are. I think you're as good as you're supposed to be right now. And I don't think you ever have to couch it with uh, when I try and play whatever. No, you play music, and good for you. I play guitar. I, I, I don't know a ton of chords, but I play it the best I can. Yeah. And, and I like my guitar, and I like the way I play. <laughs> okay, so the, the, the truth. Okay, so we got to do the truth thing because that's part of your book, too, is I got to yeah. tell the truth. So the truth is, I have five guitars, two basses, uh-huh. and a grand piano, and a, and a couple of pianos. And I have played on stage, but I. Uh-huh. I, you know, I have this problem. You talk about this. You talk about this book right. in the book, by the way. I have this problem. It's called comparison, mm-hmm. and um, I know that. And you, oh God, you're so bad because you're, you like, di- you like, we're reading my mail. Mm-hmm. You remember the part in your book where you wrote that there's the person who will play golf, right? And there's one person who will play golf. They may kind of take lessons, but they don't understand why they're not getting any better. Because they don't, right? And then there's the one person who's taking the lessons and they they understand that they got to keep practicing and that they're probably going to get a little worse before they get better, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You remember that part? You, what oh, I remember it. As a matter of fact, that, that first part is, the danger of the first part is you can get good at playing it badly. Yes. So you can't get great, but you can get good, okay? <laughs> and some people want to settle for that. And if I play golf once or twice a year, that's good enough for me. But if we're talking about something we want to do and really enjoy, and if it's our profession, why would I want to get good at doing something badly? I, I want to get great at it. And, and that's where you move into that other one with the lessons and with really working and frequently getting a little bit worse before we get better and re-gripping the club and slicing it into a hedge and, and saying, thanks for all your help. I, I'm hitting it 50 yards shorter. Right. But when we rehearse that pattern and we work and we work and we work, we pick up 100 yards. Yep. No, no, no. So this whole music thing, right, is... Yeah. Uh, when I am practicing regularly and doing what I'm supposed to do, because I know what I'm supposed to do with the guitar. I know what I'm supposed to. I know that I'm supposed to practice. I'm I'm supposed to put in. I try to put in 45 minutes a day on an instrument, right? Because there's six instruments I have in here that I play, and I know when I'm doing it, I actually can play pretty well. I'm, I, I I'm not professional, but I'm pretty darn good. And go. so. Uh, and I've played with bands, and so I, I must be okay, right? I must be okay. Um, I like pretty darn good. Wait, we, we, we already got knocked back down to okay, but all okay. right, keep going. Yeah, I must be okay. Well, no, because here's the thing about your darn book that just, like, convicted me, right? Your book convicted me. I'm mean, telling you, this book, why people don't believe you, right? Building credibility from the inside out, because it convicted me. Because I know I have to have that positivity, Right. I mean, you talk about it. I've got to I've got to change sometimes that that mindset where I'm worried about being conceited instead of confident. And you make a point about that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, it's funny. I don't think there's anything wrong with being confident at all. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not walking around telling you I'm the greatest in the world, although I did start that way. But <laughs> I will tell you, <laughs> that was your fault. You got me too pumped up. But but uh, I, I just think that, you know, life, as I said earlier, is sort of a, it's a series of percentage plays. So when you take to the stage, okay, right. and okay, you don't do this professionally. Right. When you take to the stage, your mind can be in a few different places, do we really want our mind, and I hope everyone's listening, whether you're selling or in HR, no matter what, what it is, do you want to be in front of whoever it is and be thinking to yourself, I'm okay at this? Or do you want to think to yourself, I, I got a track record of success here. Usually when I play this guitar, people enjoy it, and I right. know I enjoy it. How can that take away from my performance it's right. only going to improve it and yet there's that stinking thinking voice in us that says i yeah. ah, didn't get your 45 minutes in <laughs> jay so you're gonna really botch it up today big fella and 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 it barks at you and and, and the funny thing is it gets louder and louder when we let it get louder i am really an advocate to to reminding people that that negative voice that we think is harmless, that we think is kidding. Like, hey, if, if you were a half a genius, you'd be able to do that right. <laughs> it's not a funny voice. It actually, the problem is, we start believing that voice. We do. And so I'm, I'm really on, on a crusade to get people to remind themselves that it's not okay to chirp at yourself. It's not okay to put yourself down. All, we're, all Jay and I are after right now is getting you the best performance we can out of you. And think of that guitar and this man, Jay, taking the stage with his 45 minutes a day with the mindset of, I'm going to have the best performance of my life tonight. I don't know if you're going to get it, Jay, but I tell you what, you're not going to bomb. I can no. promise you that. No. You, you know, that can only help you. So let's think that way a little bit more. Yeah, I, and I so agree. Matter of fact, I was having, you know, one of those, uh, we all go through this, I think, a little bit, where we're having one of those. Man, this, this you know I'm I, I'm kind of running out of hope. By the way, we'll talk about hope because you talk about hope in your book, and I I like hope as a strategy. I, I think I hope more people have hope as part of their strategy. By the way, and you know sometimes you kind of run out of a little hope. And I was in the gym and I'm working out, and I'm talking to this guy who is um, my senior probably by about 20, 30 years, and uh, probably closer to twenty. And anyway, so. You know, I'm telling him, I said, yeah, he says, how are you doing? I said, well, you know what, I'm doing, I said, you know, I'm, I'm not, I didn't use, I should have used, I wish I knew, I read your book before then. I should have said, I'm happy, because that's there what Rob Jollis says, I'm happy, yeah. right, and yeah. waits for the response. Can you tell I read this book, can you, <laughs> by the way? <laughs> I can. Yeah. I better be on my toes, because you are all over that book. <laughs> I'm with you. So, so he says to me, you know, I told him, I said, you know, and I just, you know, but I said, things just didn't, I said, I'm good, but I said, things just haven't been kind of going the way I need them to go, or want them to go, or would like them to go. And he left it, and he, you know, I said, but it's okay. I said, you know, I have hope, and I said, you know, I, I said, that may not sound like much of a strategy, but I'm okay with my strategy right now of hope. So he comes to me, I'm, he comes out of the gym, I'm, and he's coming out of the locker room, I'm going in, and he grabs me, right? Now, he's 70 some odd years old, I'm six feet five inches, 260 pounds, right? And... He, he grabs me, this this guy, 70-something years old, grabs me by the shirt, and he looks at me and says, Jay. And he points his finger right in the middle of my chest. And he says, Jay, I want you to go in there and look in the mirror. And I, you need to tell yourself you're a winner, because that's what you are. You're a winner. Dude, he almost made me cry. Mm -hmm. Right? Because yeah. Yeah. that's exactly what I needed to hear. I need, and I said... And I, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to do this right now. And I bet the other guys in the locker room thought I had lost my mind. I literally went to that big mirror. I dropped my towel. I looked myself right in the face and go, you know what? You're a winner. You really are. And that's enough. And yeah. I, I, right? And, and I, I walked in. Nobody said anything to me, right? There's only two guys. Nobody said anything to me. And then I read your book and I'm like going, this is exactly what he's talking about. This is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It is. And, you know, you're on a you're on a, a big piece here, which is, you know, the, that piece about hope. Remember, um, a lot of times when I'm working with people, I'm working with people who are struggling. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of lot of lot to this 
this world of struggle, and I get it. We've all had up days and down days, and and you know I'm I, I used to tease with my sister. I'm the mayor of Happyville, <laughs> and and sometimes things happen. I go, got to take a trip out of Happyville for a few weeks, but I'm coming back. They're expecting their mayor back in about two weeks because life gets in the way, and we have to address life. Right. But hope. Well, we don't ever want to be without hope. Yeah. You know, and I and I there's a quote in the book. You know, if I if I can quote the book myself Please. a little bit, yeah, you, you've been quoting the heck out of it, and I appreciate it. Uh, because let's put our cards on the table. There is a penalty for hope, and the penalty is mm. disappointment. Yep. Disappointment is the penalty for hope. There, I said it. All right, everybody. Now, everybody, relax. Take a nice deep breath. There it is out on the table. But here's our here's the issue, Jay. What choice do we have? Are we going to be so afraid of disappointment? Right. That we lose hope? Right. No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna go on that stage and we're gonna play our music and and we're gonna hope like heck it's it's a great concert right. and the the amp might blow and the guitar string might break and the, some guy might throw a tomato at your head. Wasn't the greatest show in the world, but you know what? I'm not I'm not gonna take a a, a penalty and I'm right. going to always hope. I'm right. never gonna lose hope. Right. Hope is it's it's vital that we maintain hope and don't be afraid sure we're going to be disappointed occasionally dust yourself off we you've been down on that floor oh, yeah. before dust yourself off put one foot in front of the other and let's get back up and keep running brother because i'm telling you we always we also learn from those knockdowns and and uh so i just don't see a downside to hope i i agree with you we're talking with rob jollis author of the book, Why People Don't Believe You, Building Credibility from the Inside Now. And he is brought to us today by Inline Business Brokers. Inline Business Brokers and advisors have helped literally thousands of clients in the sale and purchase of businesses. When it's time to sell your business, contact the professionals at Inline Business Brokers. Inline represents profitable privately held companies with gross annual revenues in excess of a million dollars. Inline delivers the highest market value in the shortest amount of time with complete confidentiality. You can learn more at inline.com. That's www.enlign.com. And we are totally grateful for them for sponsoring today's show and sponsoring Rob Jollis, um, one of the largest uh, business brokers in the in the United States, um, certainly. And so we're thankful that he does that. And we're talking with him. We're just talking about hope. You know, there's an opposite, I think there's an opposite side to hope to me, and you talk about this in the book. I don't know if it's an opposite, but certainly it interferes with it, and that's fear. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that, that's, a, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hard one. It is a hard one, and, uh, and it, but you know what? It's a human emotion. Yep. <laughs> and again, I, I think sometimes when we demystify things and, and we're fearing, feeling fearful, we've got to remind ourselves that the person to our left and to the right, they... they feel that fear too. I was raised by a Marine and, you know, he, he, had, he had some some classics he would instill in me and, he, you know, one of them was see that guy over there puts his pants on the same way you do, <laughs> one leg at a time. And, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I get those barked at me and, uh, you know, uh, but, but I just, uh, I, I think that, I don't know, I, I think that life is about overcoming fear. And, and you know, there's a great, Jay, you said you're a fan of old movies. I am. Uh, this isn't that old, but 1993-ish, and I'm talking about a movie called Defending Your Life, mm. and it's with Meryl Streep oh, right. and Albert Brooks, and if you haven't watched it, you're going to watch it, and then you'll send me an email. Uh, it's an amazing <laughs> movie, and it's a, it's a comedy of sorts about a man who loses his life and goes to what looks like Disneyland to defend it. That's what we do. And the cool thing about that script was this. They're, they're looking at scenes from our life. And what is it that determines whether we move forward or go back and try again? In that writer's mind, it was one thing, overcoming fear. Mm. That's, that, that is it. When you think about it, when you can over, when, how many times in life you've turned around and you said, nah, I'm too afraid. Right. That's not a good moment. And how many times in life did you say to yourself at that same wall, same moment when you went, you know what? I don't know what's on the other side, but I'm going through it. Right. No matter what was on the other side, right. it was one of the greatest days of our life. Uh, I really believe that, like that movie teaches us, that that our job is to just tackle those feel, fearful moments. That's what puts a, a, a heartbeat in your chest. Mm, I love that. And, you know, I don't think people realize uh, how much fear 
uh, controls us. And, and, you know, as somebody who has, you know, has the psychological background that I do, one of the things I try to explain to people is, you know, shame, fear, you know, is, is fear-based. Uh, embarrassment is fear-based. Um, not, uh, not showing up, by the way, which you talk about, not showing up is fear-based. Matter of fact, you, you, I know this wasn't the intended example, but you had an example where you were getting ready to do like a two-mile swim or yeah. multi-mile swim or something like that. Yeah. And you hadn't you you had an injury and and you couldn't you could not practice the way that you wanted to practice. But you know the big deal is showing up. But there was still right, and I know this wasn't what the point was of that story, but. I was like reading it in light of it and thinking about it later. You know, fear will keep you because you go, well, I didn't practice enough, so I don't want to, you know, be embarrassed because I know yep. I'm better than that. That's fear. It is fear. And and that particular story, I think, is an interesting one because it doesn't necessarily have a happy ending, uh, although I think it's a happy ending. So the story, but very quickly, is I am an open water swimmer. I like to compete in open water swims. Uh, I was injured, untrained, and uh, it, it, the weather was cold. The lake was cold. My my, my wetsuit was, uh, I was renting a wetsuit, didn't quite fit. I had so many excuses. You could, I was running out of paper. And yet I told myself, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to show up. I'll sit on the bank. I'll watch them. But I'm not going to quit in my bed. I'm not going to quit at home. That, that scares me. It, it, once I do that, what else am I going to quit on? So if I'm not going to, if I'm not going to swim this race, have the guts and courage to show up at least and take it like a man, if you don't mind my expression. And what happened was and is, and it's a metaphor in a sense, is what do you think happened when I showed up? I put on that daggone wetsuit. I swam that race. And the, the ending that I'm telling you about was, of course, it, it wasn't my fastest race. My time wasn't that good. Right. I got slugged left and right by swimmers because I was dropping back a little bit. And then right. open water swims where the water's dark. You, you want to maintain a good pace or you're going right. to get nailed. Right. But I got to tell you, in a sense, and I'd run, I swam that particular race maybe six times in my life. I think it was one of my proudest swims because I showed up and I, and I accomplished the goal. The goal wasn't to put in my fastest time. Right. The goal in the end was don't let fear hold you back and don't you quit on that stool. Get up and fight. Isn't that, isn't, and I loved, you know what, show up. I loved that, that piece that you did about showing up because so many people don't show up. They, they, they feel, yeah. I, I was consulting a company today and they were a little ill-prepared for some new software that was rolling out. Regardless of whose fault it was, it doesn't matter, okay? It's just they were not as prepared as they probably should have been. And I'm sitting there with the owner of the company and the, the right-hand person. And basically what I was telling them was, you know what, just show up. You can, you can fake this. <laughs> I'm going to be really honest with you. You know, you, you're, you're beta testing. I said at the very worst, just beta test it. But don't not do anything. I know that was an awful sentence. But, I mean, just don't do anything. Just, just I mean, you do do something. Show up. You know what's amazing when people just show up? And I tell this to people who will show up. You know, go to the gym. I don't know what to do. Just show up. You'll figure it out. I promise you. It's amazing how many times people will go to the gym and they'll go, yeah, you know, I got on the step machine. And that felt pretty good. So... I went over and I got on the machine and did some weight. I'm like, and what would you have done if you didn't show up? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's two points I want to add to that real fast. One is, and I think it's in the book, I'm not sure, but I, I, I think, you know, Marvin Hagler, mar marvelous Marvin Hagler, oh, yeah. had a great quote, and he was an amazing champion, boxer. Yes. And he said, you know, when I feel like working out, I work my tail off. Right. But the days when I get up, and I don't feel like I've got it in me, and it just isn't my day, I work twice as hard. And he says, that's what I believe was my key to success. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the days we fe he felt like working out. Right. It was the days he didn't feel like working out. And the second thing I'll put on there, and I, again, I, I, you know my book better than me at this point, but <laughs> I think I talk about this. Maybe not. I, I wrote a lot of pieces and edited that book down, but there was a piece in there about the fact that uh, obscurely, 
not only have I never in my life hit a snooze bar, I don't know where it is on my clock. Because Jim Gaffigan said this once. He said, why would the, the first decision you make in the morning to be to procrastinate the decision you made the night before? No, I always feel like I, I hit that. Su- of course, I don't want to wake up because I'm sleeping. OK, if I hit that snooze bar, how easy will it be to hit it the next morning? Right. And just take that snooze bar and think of how that affects so many things that are right. in our windshield of life where we could go, you know what? Why don't I just not show up? Why don't I just right. not make that call? Why don't there's so many and the first time you do it, it that voice gets louder the next time. Hey, you, you didn't go, you didn't make the call yesterday. Why would you make it today? <laughs> I, I just uh, it's almost a, a, a nervousness of me, but and I, I like to rec- rec- call it discipline, but I don't like giving into that voice because I don't want it to get any louder. Yeah, I, I golly, man, I'm telling you, just preaching to the choir. Just preach it, brother. Preach it, brother. So, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so I, I want to talk about another piece of this book that actually um, broke me down. You, you broke me down because I, I didn't realize, um, I didn't realize, I, I know this, right? I mean, here I am a psychological professional in what I do and what I speak and how I write typically. And and we all have bad breakups. Like we've lost a job or we had a breakup with a job or breakup with a, you know, you could be divorced or girlfriend or whatever it is. But I'm, I had a breakup with a job once. And there were a lot of circumstances that were outside of my control that created this breakup with the job. But you made it really, really clear that regardless of who is mostly at fault, you need to find where you are at fault. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I'll give you a motivation for that. How would you like to be rid of it? How would you like to be rid of the voices in your head that keep telling you how, how you're a victim? Um, you know, we all have people that have, gone, that have friends who have gone through uh, breakups and divorces. And, you know, when they come over and they speak to that other uh, individual, their partner, and they'll, they'll tell you a story and it's not very kind. And you'll go, Ooh, okay, that's real rough. And then they'll tell you another one and you'll kind of go to yourself, yep, got it, rough. <laughs> then you'll see them the next five times. Here comes another story and another story. You want to grab them by the lapel and say, I got it. I got it. Uh, it those things linger on. And it happens when we're when 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 we're at a job and the job says, you know what, we don't have a place for you anymore. Right. The nerve of those that rotten son of a. I mean, I get it, I get it. Right. But here, what we're talking about, Jay, is this: How would you like to be rid of it? And the easiest way to do it is one: You don't need to tell a whole bunch of stories about it. We right. get it. You need we want to tell one. Get your best one, and we'll hear it. Right. But the second one is: Why not look in that mirror that that man had you look in and say, listen. I'm not telling you you're, you're completely at fault here, right. but could you find 10%? I call it the 90-10 right. rule in the right. book. Right. How about they're 90% at fault? What's the 10% for you? Right. And if ever you ask somebody that question and, you, and the answer is nothing, then you're dealing with a victim, a professional victim. If you want to be rid of that pain, it, that happened for a reason. Rather than reliving it in the next relationship, in the next job, in the next scenario where right. you've been wronged, you start developing a pattern and a process of don't have to take it all. Just take a percentage, right. figure out what wise, you know, part of, part of the, your four pieces in there that I wrote them down was the spiritual side. So spiritually, what were you supposed to learn right. about that scenario, that relationship? And the moment you go, hey, if I could go back and do it again, I would have communicated or I would have done boom, you're going to feel this pressure come off your shoulders. You don't have to tell the story anymore. You don't have to chant it to yourself in the car anymore. You learned what you were supposed to learn. You evolved, and you're going to be better in the morning for it. Rob, I I can't tell you how powerful that was for me because, I I mean, I did have a bad breakup some 20-some-odd years ago, and occasionally it would haunt me. Right, it, it it just occasionally went on. I mean, I'm not going to go into the details of it because it's not just that important. But there were most of it was just completely. I wasn't. I didn't even know it was coming. I I, I had no idea that it was coming until the conversation came around. And said, well, you know, we'd like to ask you to resign. <laughs> I could have said right. no. I didn't. And 
Um, so I, I, I had to really, I took a really harsh inventory to go, all right, what could you have done differently here? What, what part was your responsibility? Right. And it led me to the chapter of politics, mm-hmm. right? The, you know, the political chapter that you wrote, right? Yep. Yep. You know, because I, I have said, this is the, this is Jay's self-talk. I have said, I sometimes don't play well with others in the sandbox, which is why I have to do my own thing. Um, because that, that, that's, that, that has been true that I have as much of a team guy as I have been playing sports, right. And a raw, raw guy playing sports when it came to business, uh, I quite honestly didn't play well with management right? because I thought I had to be right. All right. And, and not only did I have to be right, I, I had to demonstrate how right I was by jumping over your head to let somebody else know how wrong you were because I was absolutely right. Right. And it doesn't work. No. No, it doesn't work. And um, and that was a very cathartic chapter for me to write, section to write. Um, and the reason why you might be scratching your head going, so why people don't believe you and there's a political part of the book? The political part is this. I knew that, one, I had to start looking at how to get people to believe in themselves. Then I had to take it and move it to, all right, we're good inside. Now, how do we get the guy across the table to believe us? But when I first started putting these programs on, and I was dealing with people three, four, five years out of work and getting them hired. I mean, bang, I was, I was working 70, 80% people getting hired who'd been out of work for six, five, six years. Uh, all of a sudden, they started coming back. Uh, three, four months later, they were back in the room again. And, I, and what happened was, I taught them the first two parts, but I never got at what really got them into that position in the first place. And you're hitting on it. Just learning how to disagree with the boss. Uh, you know. So I refer to it as sustaining believability, but I kind of crowbarred that section in because I didn't believe I was done with the job. I got you through that process, but you're still going to have to make some changes. And that means, like you said, you know, you, you got to learn that, that when, you, when you know you're right, and you back off of it, that doesn't make you weaker. It's a position of strength, not weakness. Right. And man, that was not instinctive for me. No. Uh, I, I thought no. that was being cowardly. As a matter of fact, I had this phrase, particularly in my 20s and 30s, where I would say, I mean a lot. I would say, yes, you know what? They're going to put on my tombstone someday. <laughs> and whatever came next was a bunch of BS. But uh, it would be things like, he never gave up on his ideas and his thoughts. He, he never gave in. It was, it was really a wonderful pitch. It was just misguided. I needed a mentor to put their arm around me and go, listen, I appreciate where you're coming from. I really do. Right. But you know what? Back away from this one. If, if ever you think you're backing away from an, a situation or an idea that's going to derail the corporation, that's going to destroy the family or the marriage, don't you dare back off. Right. But I got to tell you, what percentage of our disagreements is that one? The other ones where the group seems to be going this way, and it isn't your best or favorite idea. Right. But you know what? I can support that idea. And that's what the team wants to hear, and that's that's part of learning to be successful. Yeah, I I got to tell you, Rob, it brought me back. It brought me back and you know, I felt like and and listen, it, what the irony of the whole thing is here I was fighting hard for this thing. I was trying to help I was trying to help another group that voice was not being heard. I went above my immediate boss and the, his boss's head to say, hey, look, nobody's paying attention to what I've got here, and this can help this group of people. Well, it wasn't long after that I was asked if I would please resign. The irony is they took the program that I wrote and are still using it to this day. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jay, there's a story that, that I didn't put in the book called The Pig Farmer and the Intellectual. And I wrote about it. I'll send you a link to it. You can put it up if you ever want to. Uh, and it deals with somebody that I work with who's currently um, in career transition because right. I mentor a lot of people. And uh, she got hired, and she was working for someone who had actually been a pig farmer. And this woman it was a real intellectual. Same thing, had an idea. The bo- her, her manager didn't like it. She went around to the, to the boss 
the CEO, smaller company. Right. Guy said, okay, run with it. They ran with it. It dramatically got them data they never got before. Huge success. She was asked, to, to, she was let go six days later. And why? Because the manager said to the, to the CEO, I can't work with her. And the CEO said, well, then get rid of her. I mean, sorry. So it had nothing to do with whether we had the best idea on the no. table. It was the mirror image of the story you just told. And, and that's what I mean in terms of we, we don't always have to be right. Okay, your data, the data is fantastic she uh, uh, accumulated. Your um, idea was tremendously successful, but both ended in disaster. And we got to remember that. Yeah, well, it, they did. And here's, okay, now, the, now the, this, your story, mm -hmm. I was raised as a pig farmer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> She was a nice lady. I said, no, 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 no. I'm just, I just say, no, no, I, no. But just how the connection with yeah. that connection, right? And yeah. So I was raised in Nebraska as a yeah. as as a as a farmhand, and so when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, what did we do now? And so yeah. anyway, so but I understood it because I was actually written up. I remember oh. before I was asked to resign, I was actually written up uh, that I was a loose cannon. Mm-hmm for for you know for this company and i was like man I, nobody had ever called me a loose cannon i mean i know i'm loud and obnoxious occasionally but i was never a loose cannon and uh that you know when i when i read this book why people don't believe you i started looking at subsequent jobs and things that i had done after that and realized that the reason i had failed is because i was still holding on to first of all, not playing well in the sandbox because I felt like I needed to be me and needed to demonstrate just how smart I was. And then the second piece I felt like was because I never took any responsibility the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's really critical when people are going. Why can't I hold on to a job? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I just I think you I think you answer that question in this book so brilliantly. I appreciate that, and it's it's almost emotional for me because, you know, every Tuesday night when I'm in town, and I travel a lot, but every Tuesday night, I'm not in front of 10 or 15 people. I'm in front of about 250 to 300, so I am in this Petri dish of, of struggle, and so much of it has so little to do with the words. Again, we're working on elevator pitches and resumes and right. LinkedIn sites, and I'm, I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying we have to have the kind of conversation you and I are having right now, right. inside, outside, and sustain it, uh, and meaning the political side. Because uh, you know, even when I talk to people who have been struggling in interviews, I throw out all the, the star stories and the answers, and I tell them, Close your eyes, and I want you to think of a time where you were part of a team, and you loved that team, and everything the team did was amazing, and you got such incredible satisfaction. Close your eyes and hold on to that. You see it? You feel it? And then I start asking them questions about um, how, how do you work on a team? What do you think about teams? You know, the questions we know that they're going to have. And guess what, Jay? They're in character now. They're actually in that moment. They don't have to they – they, they tell me. I didn't have to hunt for words. All the words were there, right. of course, because you were in the moment right. and they were authentic. That's right. where we're at. Yeah, no, it's we're with Rob Jollis. The book's called Why People Don't Believe You, Building Credibility from Inside Out. I, am, I, uh, I want you to buy this book and I want you to not only get one for yourself, I want you to get one for someone that you really care about. Uh, matter of fact, why don't you get one? Uh, matter of fact, if you're a business owner, why don't you get one of these for every one of your employees? If you're having some issues because you feel like your employees are not, you're not getting out of your employees what you want and you're just wondering what's the message you want to sell them and you're not selling them that message, why don't you read this book and then why don't you give a copy to every one of your employees? And why don't, when you read this book, why don't you tell every one of your employees, you know what, I'm working on this. And I would ask you if, you, if you say that to your employees, I'm working on what Rob's talking about in this book, I'm going to tell you what your employees are going to go, Okay, well, then I need to know what you're working on. And when they see it, I'm telling you, you're going to see change because this book is uh, about that. It's, it's, you know, I read, you know, folks, I read a lot of business books. I read a book a week and interview these amazing authors. And I, I get excited about every book that I read, but I, I'm telling you, this one is deep. This one is personal. And the, you know how I feel? The personal affects the professional. 
And this one gets personal and and it goes deep. And so if you're ready, if you're really ready to make that change in you, then you you don't hesitate to purchase this book. It's available Kindle, paperback, audiobook. Uh, there's a CD version. If it's not in your local bookstore, tell them get it and get it now. Uh, you it's but the book is fantastic. Rob, you uh, have been an amazing guest, and we've been an hour, believe it or not, and it feels like it's been like 15 minutes um, for me. And so, uh, first of all, I want to thank you and, and thank you for writing this book because it's uh, awesome. So thank you for doing that. And then uh, if the last thing I would ask of you, if you wouldn't mind doing, is as we um, as we get ready to part here, I always ask every guest, if you were to leave every one of these listeners, and I, get, I have listeners from all over um, the U.S. and even some in Europe and Britain, actually listen to the show. And, and so we thank, I thank my European listeners for listening, certainly. Uh, California is the number two most listened to state. I don't know why California loves the show, but they do, and I'm grateful for them. But if you could leave them with a new direction, what would you leave them with? Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to finish this way. Uh, I'm first going to thank you, then I'm going to leave you with a good direction. And I'm going to tell you that um, it's not hard to find me online, and I'm probably 30 interviews already on this. Without question, this is the best interview I've ever had. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. I find you incredibly authentic, and I'm really um, appreciative of the fact that you read the book and, and, it, and it got you. Um, so I don't, I don't want to bury the lead. I am truly grateful. Now I'll answer your question. Uh, I, I want them to, to understand that I think sometimes when we're, when we're dealing with this subject and we're, and we're knocked around a little bit, that uh, we, we spend a lot of time worrying. And um, uh, there's, a, there's a great quote in there that I like, um, that I have actually up by my coffee machine, of all things, because when I'm having a cup of coffee, I'm in a pretty good place, and I like looking at it, and it says, worry is the misuse of your imagination. And I want people to remember that a lot of times the, the, the one person we're trying to get out of the way of is ourselves. And so just try not to misuse your imagination. There, there are certain things in there that we know are real and true, and, and, but there's so many times that we are taking these leaps of, I know I blew that, I know I shouldn't have said that, I know that person doesn't like me, I know. Usually it's just a complete misuse of your imagination. Worry is the misuse of your imagination. Don't misuse it. And, uh, and remember, truly, that just like, Jay, when you started, you said, what are you at, at that scale of a 1 to 10? Where are you at today? We don't have to go jump into a 10 today. Let's just add a couple numbers to it. I thought that was a great way to start, and I'd like to finish that way. That's awesome. Rob Jollis, by the way, uh, if you want to find more, you, first of all, I'm, I'm going to have all these links on when we do the podcasts, when this becomes a podcast, I'll have all the links to how to get a hold of Rob to the book. There'll be, you could click on, you'll be able to click on the book and be able to buy the book. You'll be able to click on his picture and you'll go right to his site. By the way, his site is www.jolles.com. That's www.jolles.com. But I will have all of Rob's information of how you can contact him, how you can buy the book. That link will be directly from the jizzo.com site and the New Direction uh, place that you can actually get it and pop right out there. As a matter of fact, if you do the iTunes version, you can read through there. You'll be able to read right through and how to get to Rob's site as well and purchase the book. So we will do that. Uh, again, Rob, man, uh, I always tell I always tell my guests when this hour goes like this, what ends up happening is I end up having another friend, and just, I'm just telling you, you're a friend. I, I, I well, can't, yeah, I, I, can't, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I got to tell you something real fast. Sure. I was sitting here the same the same thing. I'm, I'm so sorry you're in North Carolina, wherever, because I'd love to have. I felt like we had a cup of coffee together here, <laughs> and and I think the, the the listeners should understand that you said something that I actually whisper to new speakers before they take the stage. What I tell them is, listen. See that audience out there? We're just just pretend you're walking into your living room. Right before we started, Jay said to me, "Hey, we're going to sit out like we're talking in the living room." And I sure felt like that today. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Stay on with me real quick. Folks, listen, I want to thank you for another great episode, right? Of a new direction. Folks, I tell it to you every week, but I'm going to tell it to you again. Look, 
be inspired because when you're inspired you can inspire someone else and when you inspire someone else that takes motivation and it and motivates them and can get them to do things that they never thought they could do before and you can do that one person at a time it can start with a smile it can start with a encouraging word it doesn't have to be something huge it can be something so small that can change the life of someone else and by the way don't wait to look for someone i'm telling you if you're going to the grocery store Ask the person who's checking out the groceries. Maybe someone is sacking them out. You could say something kind or just give them a smile. And that's enough to inspire this world that can make great changes. So, folks, until next time we meet, I want to say, first of all, we're going to be doing a special Thanksgiving show. Actually, probably a couple of them. We're going to take those and we're going to do those Thanksgiving. So make sure you're tuned in then. But until then, be inspired, folks. I will talk to you soon. Ciao, everybody. Find your strength